Italy, it's pronounced Nice. Welcome back to Bizarre Podcast, Dogs Must Die. My name is Grant, you can call him Chip, and today we are talking about JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, Golden Wind, for the 69th time. Well, well uh, uh, JoJo's is a whole for the 69th time, but yes. And it's to talk about the two nastiest boys having nastiest boys. one of the biggest, longest fights in JoJo. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I mean, yes, we are talking about Green Day and Oasis parts one through three, uh, or rather, you know, one and a half through three and a half, if you include last episode. But maybe I'll talk more about this later after everything's been laid out. But I do Mm -hmm. think that it carries, like, Mm -hmm. the, the fight has enough twists and turns and moves from place to place that it doesn't feel like a three episode slog it's just yeah. three individual fights that happen to be against the same guys yeah yeah pretty much this doesn't really drag thankfully there, there's many jojo tricks involved but uh episodio 30 uh green day and oasis part one mm-hmm uh, and we start off immediately with just a very brief recap, which is just, hey, last episode, Misa shot a boat and blew it up. <laughs> yeah. So everyone could go upwards and not downwards. And Chocolata is making sure that, you know, Seko got that on film so we can, you know, make a sweet mixtape out of it. Mm-hmm. And then he congratulates Seko for being such a good videographer by petting him and calling him a good boy for a full 20 seconds. He just keeps giving him yeah. scritches. Yeah. Seko <laughs> is... We didn't really describe what Seko looks like the, the previous episode, but... No, I mean, for, we never really find out, really, because yeah. Seko uh, uh, and his stand are much like a, a white album in that his stand is a bodysuit. You really just see his his eyeballs poking through as <laughs> yes. he's entirely enveloped in his stand. And the suit is just kind of... It's almost normal. It... <laughs> It's all, it, it could almost be normal. Imagine somebody put on a full head-to-toe bodysuit that is just kind of a light brownish color, but then it's got a whole lot of weird little orange. What if he took a really giant, thick orange su- uh, shoelace and just sewed it in and out throughout his whole, his whole mm-hmm, body? Mm-hmm. And then he's got a blue shoelace that's kind of halfway sewing up the, the slit where his eyes poke out but only halfway. And that's kind of his whole thing. That's his whole entire self. Uh, yeah. Uh, so. And he's always hunched over like a little goblin man. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He's getting pet like a dog. He, uh, uh, Chocolata throws out his Scooby snacks, and yes. he collects them in a manner that defies Newtonian physics. Uh, <laughs> he, he likes to eat sugar cubes. He gets given sugar cubes when he's a good boy, and, and Chocolata tosses two... Uh, uh, in the air, and Seko spits out a third one at them, which knocks the two in the air back to him. Yes. I gotta see a diagram on this. This makes no sense to me. It's, it's only, if only Araki made one of those, like, mid, like, in-between chapter diagrams like he does every once in a while <laughs> yeah, for yeah. certain things. Is there a ricochet off a wall I missed? Is there a big headwind? I, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, this whole the whole relationship between the two of them that really kicks off this episode, you know, establishing it is, hey, Araki read another magazine article and this one was on Puppy Play. <laughs> uh, so that is now an element in the canon. Yep. The final shot before we go into the OP, which is just like, it just hard cuts from rapid fire head scratches to this is our pose 
before we murder people, which is a pretty standard pose for Chocolata, but Seko is like like a hunting dog, like pointing almost, but man, he's got his ass way up in the air. Yeah, <laughs> he's very arching defined. that back. Oh my goodness. <laughs> oh man. Uh, so that <laughs> brings us to the respite of the OP. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Bucciarati is gigantic looking down into the gem of, of Mr. President to see that, like, hey, uh, hey, Giorno, Narancia, you, you all right down there? And uh, Giorno is, is giving the status report that um, fungal infection is not dismemberment, so I can't do shit, uh, actually. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, Narancia's just kind of out. Like, he's still conscious, but he's just kind of there, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. staring at the ceiling. Uh, Trish is doing better. She just bandaged up her, her thigh that had mold spewing out of it. And Giorno is, like, yeah, the, the one best off. He's just fine. Even though we have lost two members of the crew, Trish still gets one scene per three episodes. Yes. And she's using it up right at the start today. Man, it is, a, it is a shame Trish does not get used more because she's great. I almost feel that's why part six is the way it is. <laughs> we're, we're going to talk a lot about it later, but once Seko starts using his stand, this could be a, a redo of the baby face fight where you have two stands facing off each other that work in similar but just dissonant enough ways oh, maybe God, something interesting yeah. could happen, you know? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Doesn't happen. She's not who fights this guy. Yeah, but Trish and Rancha are having a conversation there where Trish is basically like, man, why is Bruno so cold and emotionless? <laughs> and Narancha immediately goes in with, I don't know how girls feel, but did you want Bruno to ask you if you were okay? <laughs> That's just how Bruno is. I'm going to go take a nap. And, and Trish is just like, well, he could stand to be nicer to us, though. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he could also get a haircut, but, like, that's just who he is. He's not nice. He's not yeah. a nice man. He, he He's a good man, not a nice man. He deeply cares, but only when his back is facing you so that he can mm-hmm, do his mm-hmm. man pain lip bites and, and stuff. So uh, uh, now that they have co- recovered from the initial mold strike, it's time to get, a, get their bearings, uh, make a plan. And so they see that this village is on a mountainside. So there's always going to be a path higher available to them. This is mm-hmm. the best spot to, to fight Chocolata. And also traffic is still going. So that means the mold hasn't spread very far beyond this square. And then they get jump scared because there's something <laughs> going down the stairs. But it's actually there's a dead guy on the, the stairs they're going up when he died was carrying a six pack of beer. And it's just one of the beer cans falling down because his fingers are snapping off. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So uh, after the shock of that, uh, it's just, whew, okay, cool. It's just trash. Mista is ordered to just like hurry up and steal a car. But Bruno keeps noticing can after can slip. And what really catches his eye, or rather his ear, is that there isn't a sound of the can bouncing on the ground. Yeah. He, he hears it rattle step by step on the way down, but that final step, the actual ground, it, there's, there's, no, no, there's no noise. What, mm. what is happening to these cans? Uh, like, the instant he checks on that and realizes there's, there's something up, he just tells Mista, or rather, he looks back at Mista and sees he's basically in the same, like, position on the stairs, and he's like, what the fuck are you doing? I told you to get a car really fast. And Mista <laughs> starts 
booking it up the stairs. He's like, I'm really trying to go up these stairs, and he's not going up the stairs. After a beat, the entire staircase just starts sinking into the gra- the ground. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And it mulches up one of these moldy corpses. Yeah. Uh, uh, like, your worst escalator nightmare, basically, is happening. <laughs> yeah. And so they try to jump up the staircase onto the level above that it used to go to, but now that it's sinking, not so much. But the ground gets soft beneath their feet, and it eats Mista's gun. Yes, his gun is just gone. Mista tries to reach for the gun, moving downward to do so. So his hand gets all molded up. Yeah, the stairs have sunk deep enough that there's like no way to easily get up to the, the next uh, level now. Because now they just have like a wall in front of them. So this is what Seko can do. Seko can make solid objects soft. Not soft and rubbery and bouncy like like Spice Girl, but soft and like just melty and permeable and he can swim through the ground yeah for for other people it's essentially like the ground becomes quicksand for them but for him it's just a big olympic-sized pool where where he (laughs) is the the apex predator yeah bruno uh starts to sink into the ground yeah like quicksand he's like waist deep or chest deep in it in the ground and he's trying to like punch it with zipper man to unzip himself and jump out and the punches are just like hitting the ground and like reverberating through it and not working and he makes a note to himself like okay this is all like i'm sinking into this like as quicksand but when i touch it it's still hard like concrete is Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. sex pistols retrieve the lost gun thankfully uh uh, so mista can shoot down a road sign and use it as a climbing rope (laughs) (laughs) yeah while Bruno is just impressed by, like, the cohesion of these two as a pair, like, if if one of them can dissolve the ground, then you're always going to go lower, and the kills you if you go lower guy, then he's got you, and he's like, wow, <laughs> nice, cool teamwork. And Meester replies, oh yeah, well, why don't they just get married already? And I would say, you still cannot have gay marriage in Italy, that's why, it's mm-hmm. illegal. Yeah. However, uh, civil union protections were passed in 2016, okay. so we are set in 2001, so that is also irrelevant. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, they're, they're both latching on to the, the stop sign, Mista shot, so they can get up. When they're they're both, like, pulling themselves up, you can see that Chocolata is further in the distance, just watching, waiting to see if they mm-hmm, pop mm-hmm. up. And then, <laughs> even though... Uh, Seko is, you know, swimming underground with his stand powers. He's still got his video camera with him. So there's a bit here where, like, just his hand with the video camera pops out of a hole in the ground to videotape them. <laughs> uh-huh. He's got feel- a job to do. It feels very Looney Tunes. He wants his dang sugar cubes. Both Misa and, and Bruno look down to spot Seko very briefly. And instead of him just ducking back underground, he j- gets out of the ground and just leaps straight into the wall and just, you know, phases into it and starts swimming there, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which is now causing the, the new ground that they are on to sink and, and develop both of them. Uh, so Mista has a plan. Mista's plan is to just sit still and get attacked. <laughs> yeah. And so... When- <laughs> because, because if Seko gets close enough, then the ground will be soft enough that his bullets can, can pass through it and shooting him as if you're shooting someone just beneath the surface of water. Not ideal, but possible. Yeah. 
Misa lets himself get grabbed and Seko is extremely exposed, you know, like point blank range. So Misa fires off a couple bullets and in slow motion, you can see Seko, who b- both hands are being used to grab Mista, deflects the bullets by <laughs> that that sugar cube trick he did earlier. Yeah, yeah. It's important. He's a good spitter. Like, his actual uh, uh, skill is spitting. Yeah, he spits things at extremely high velocity to the point where he can deflect bullets by doing so. <laughs> it keeps coming up. He keeps spitting this whole thing. Yeah, it's it's one of those stand users you get every once in a while where they have their own superpower they use in conjunction with their actual superpower. Somehow less ridiculous than Chocolatas, which we'll get to eventually. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, so, yeah, Mista's bullets are again diverted into his own body. Uh, uh, whoops, whoopsie. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so Seko dives below just before Sex Pistols can, you know, like, redirect them again to, to hit him. But this has all happened after, you know, they've climbed up on that pole. They're mm. on the upper level. And so Bruno's just like, hey, we got to get out of here. Good luck, guys. So he sets the turtle down on the car that they are here to steal and runs away. <laughs> yes. He runs back. He dives down over where the staircase used to be now that it's fully melted away. He, he falls, falls down, which is when Seko pops out of the wall to intercept him. And uh, uh, Bruno is ready with a mid-air, like, yes. fall, free fall punch rush. And, like, he actually, he gets him. He he fucking gets a whole lot of punches in, like, partially unzips his face. The whole Ari Ari Arrivederci bit yep. goes. And that, he just rocks his block, basically. Yeah. Um, but it's not enough to kill Seko. And Seko's able to escape by basically having a chunk of of concrete fly out of the side of the wall that's got rebar in it, which is enough time for him to run away back into the wall as Bruno has to take time to, like, punch the rebar away. So so that's the midpoint of the episode. We get a title card for Green Day. Mm-hmm. And so let's, let's talk a bit about Seko. We talked about his look... What look there is, we're really just seeing his as-yet-unnamed stand. Yeah. But like we said last week, uh, his name is short for Prosecco, but just Seco alone means dry, mm. uh, dry land. Uh-huh. Uh, his English voice uh, played Biscuit in uh, Gundam Iron-Blooded Orphans and mm. the bow hero in Rising of the Shield Hero. He also wrestles under the name Sassy Assassin. Ooh. Yeah. All right. <laughs> What if that's the whole reason they cast him? (laughs) (laughs) While Seko's Japanese voice, uh, his big debut role was Jaded Yuki, the protagonist of Yu-Gi-Oh! GX. Oh, man. Jaded Yuki. He also voices Apollo Justice and uh, Urianger Urianger in uh, Final Fantasy XIV. Ah, Urianger. Ah, okay. (laughs) Oh, man. He also dubbed the lead role in Ready Player One. Hmm. Okay. <laughs> I want to hear the Japanese dub of Ready Player One. <laughs> so we cut back to Seko himself in his bro, and this is the first time he talks with words. He's yes. mostly just been like grunting and panting and being a very good little dog. Mm-hmm. And Seko hates that he's been punched. <laughs> Most folks do, I find. Yeah. So he's just, like, sitting there freaking out that his face is is bleeding. First, he's just, like, wiping the blood away. But then he goes, like, 
my face and he his extremely long gigantic tongue comes out of his mouth to start licking the blood off the side of his face mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, and he's checking his own face out or rather he's recording the what has happened to him mm-hmm. filming his face pulling out a, a flashlight to to show the damage he's got a cell phone to talk to chocolata and so he calls him up he calls him up in this in the middle of this fight to be like hey how about that other weirdo lone assassin, uh, uh, N- Notorious B.I.G., is that what it was called? Let's talk about that for a while. Mm-hmm. The point that this conversation eventually reached is uh, uh, him double-checking with his partner, who you know he spends every single moment with. They go on all their missions together, just to be clear that he cannot grow mold on dead things, like rocks, or like the owner of notorious bih that's the route we took okay cool yeah and chocolate is just like i don't know (laughs) i absolutely decay living people but i don't know about dead shit meanwhile everyone has escaped like everyone is in the car some of which are in the turtle in the car but they're all together uh, uh driving up this mountain road and and going inland toward rome yeah and so yeah they're they're just spotting that car way off in the distance Seko's going like this is kind of weird but Bucciarati I got him in the face and like he was jumping down to get me and mold didn't grow on him Mm -hmm. uh what's up with that bro (laughs) (laughs) and meanwhile in the car Giorno has similar questions and Bruno is not answering he says nothing he is stone-faced behind the wheel uh uh, he doesn't respond to giorno also asking about the big chunk missing from his wrist (laughs) yeah it's a big chunk missing from his wrist uh it doesn't affect him or anything so giorno eventually just like reaches out and touches his neck from uh from his seat in the back seat just to be like okay uh, i gotta i gotta check on you bro and much to his shock and and also devastating to uh any like to anybody who wants canon compliant ship fix mm-hmm. set between uh San Giorgio Island and now <laughs> uh Giorno realizes that he's cold to the touch and there is like no life in him yeah <laughs> yeah for the first time again it really erases a long bit of their relationship <laughs> so yeah Giorno's just just thinking back like i Really thought it was just my imagination back then when I saw, you know, Bruno, like, get injured and not react or bleed. But this is for real. And you get a pretty decent close-up shot of that missing chunk of Bruno's wrist. And you can see the bones. It's fucked up. Underneath his skin. It's real grody. I don't like it. Mm-hmm. But, but all of Giorno's pestering is just like, okay. All right, uh, it has worn Bruno down, and he just admits, I haven't had my sense of touch for quite a while now. Yeah, and he even says, like, I don't think I have much time left. Uh, like, as as this goes on and on, they're getting closer and closer to saying it, and the conversation just ends with Bruno admitting, quote, death has me now. Mm-hmm. But, but meanwhile, we've had, like, cutaway shots showing them approaching Stazione Aurelia. This is a rail station on the west side of Rome, so we're being geographically consistent here. Okay. It also means they've been driving about half an hour. They didn't really say which coastal village in uh, alongside mm-hmm. a mountain this was. But, but basically, Giorno is not willing to accept that. 
obviously. Uh, but there's no time to argue because a whole lot of dead bodies start falling out of a helicopter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they're just airdropping moldy chunks of corpses mm-hmm, from this mm-hmm. helicopter to further spread mold where where they are. Uh, civilians are starting to mold up and die. Like this road they're on, you know, is like kind of on a hill. It's a very steady, like slight incline upwards. And all these people are like running down the street and just falling to pieces. Mm-hmm. Bruno is freaked out because it's like there's a fuckload of people here a lot of people are about to die maybe even the boss himself if he's here (laughs) so so we got to get out of this situation especially once the car starts rolling over uh uh, as they swerve yeah so bruno unzips the roof of the car and grabs everybody and also plants a zipper on the the barrier wall on the side of the highway to to be an anchor and hold on to as they all stand up, dust themselves off, it's time for Giorno to drop a new stand theory. <laughs> yeah. His, his belief is that since stands are a manifestation of unconscious selves, mm-hmm. sure, okay, those that exhibit restraint do so because, like, their user has an unconscious resistance to just sheer and abject mayhem, but... Chocolata, on the other hand, has no such resistance. He's the nastiest boy. He's the yeah. n- nastiest boy to ever live. So, so therefore, his uh, uh, mold is incredibly infectious. <laughs> yeah. He sums this up with a metaphor of this guy doesn't have a break. There are no limits to his evil. Yeah. <laughs> and people are just melting apart in gruesome ways. We have. There are bones sticking out of places bones shouldn't be visible, you know, yep. anywhere, really, if you think about it. Uh, a narrator-voiced bystander loses his daughter, and then he runs down the hill to where his doctor lives, and he just melts. Yep. It's bad. Everyone, like, this is a highly populated place. Everyone's fucked. People are dissolving into mold behind the wheel, so there's just all these traffic collisions and fires starting. Yeah, there's two people, like, two neighbors... On like the second floor of the uh, this building, that they they both come out to lean out their windows to see what's happening, and as they lean down a little bit, both of them just fall to pieces. So, so yeah, everybody is very worried about the the risk of chocolata killing not only three million people, but also the guy they're here to meet. Yeah, and so now they can't like advance forward towards the Colosseum because yeah, it's if they even get slightly close to it. That guy's going to fucking die. So, uh, mm-hmm. hey, new plan. Shoot down the fucking helicopter, Mista. <laughs> Just shoot it down. Just shoot it down. You know, with a handgun. With a small revolver, you're going to shoot down a helicopter. <laughs> you, you've played a video game in 2008, right? Come on. Just do yeah. it. Yeah. Ah, the year of the helicopter. Very nostalgic. And so Misa fires off a full salvo. And they all get deflected because Seko is just hanging out in there, too. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. And he leaps out of the helicopter, goes underground. You know, so they're, they're split up again here. And now Chocolata decides that it's time to go interrupt that rendezvous. Who, who told him? Were they all just talking really loud? How did he <laughs> hear them over the helicopter blades? Uh, hacker man hacked... Uh, he fucked up his hack, and it, it got on their cell phone, too. Oh, know. nuts. Oh, Damn nuts. it, Hacker he Man. He hacked too hard. Yeah. 
So, so Giorno is like, hey, buddy, Mista, I'm, I'm so sorry, but you know what? You just got to try again. So he grabs Mista's hand and, and they aim together cooperatively yes. to fire another six rounds, even though Mista's like, this will not work. Mm-hmm. Trust me, I know what bullets do. And as they, they just curve away into the roof of this, this very tall building, this particular tower in Rome, he's like, dude, I told you that would happen. Why, why were you being so weird? But of course... The bullets become seeds, yes. and and uh, just a big grasping tree locks the the helicopter in place. While meanwhile, Seco is like a Bugs Bunny burrowing <laughs> toward them. You, you yeah. can see the ground deforming as he swims closer and closer. Yeah. So it's time to split up the gang, and here is a very significant moment where now, for the first time, it's Giorno just calling the plays yep. and dividing the group and, and just giving orders to Bruno, and he accepts. This is the moment. This is the moment everyone's been waiting for mm-hmm. since, I I don't know, who's the first to... to have this thought about like Giorno as the the real leader was it the the white album fight or earlier it might i think it was first like actually stated in white album but there were definitely plenty of thoughts earlier of narancia i cannot remember now but anyway now is the time especially because he knows his friend has been dead for a couple days (laughs) yeah so, uh, Episodio Trentuno, Green Day and Oasis, Part 2. Start with a, a recap of everything from the getaway drive to present and the OP. And back in new stuff, Seco cannot trash talk. Yeah, it's bad. So, so the division here that, that was called out by, by Giorno was that he and Mista are going to go high and Bruno is going to stay low because he is, of course, immune. It's a mm-hmm. good play. He's going to keep uh, facing off against Seko while the, the two living members go high to, to stop the mold at the source and fight Chocolata. So yeah, down on the ground, Seko is calling him a son of a something and he says... Just some rhyming words and some words that start with B and until eventually Bruno just gets sick of it and says that the word you're looking for is a bitch. And then <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just really flatly. <laughs> Seko hates to be corrected. He doesn't take this well. Uh- <laughs> Seko gets pissed off by this and he's like, oh, yeah, I have to record video of this. And so he reaches into his skin tight suit, which somehow has a pocket in it and pulls out the video camera. And Bruno's just like, wow, this guy's just fucking turning his back to me. I'm just going to punch him in the skull right the fuck now. And as Zipperman's punch comes out, Bruno gets kicked in the jaw very hard uh, Mm -hmm. because Seko, it turns out, is ridiculously fast because he's using the ground. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) So what he's doing is he is softening the surface of the ground in such a way that it's it's uh, like a springboard, like a trampoline surface. Yeah. And so he's elbow pounding the ground in order <laughs> to get more speed and power in his punches as they rebound up <laughs> into Bruno. Yeah. So so this punch rush technique is overwhelming Sticky Fingers' defenses. Yeah. Eventually, a couple punches get past Sticky Fingers, and you know they get Bruno in the gut. He falls over, and Bruno's only able to escape because he he's basically up against a railing, 
mm-hmm, and so mm-hmm. he just unzips the chunk of concrete he's on, so he falls underneath the railing and further down yeah. below. He he falls off the highway down to the surface level streets. Yeah. And now as Seko stands above him and looks down and like also part of Bruno's sh- one shoulder has melted. Yes. Uh, as he looks down, he finally announces the name of his stand, Oasis mm-hmm. or Sanctuary in the localization. That's pretty good, actually. Good. I like Sanctuary. Yeah. Because like we're following the meaning of the word instead of like, I don't know. What else would it would it be? A, a melty ground suit, if we're going for the very direct description. <laughs> yeah, Mister Melty, that's my Mr. stand. Oh, Mister Mel, I I kind of would like Mister Melty, <laughs> but no, like sanctuary. It's it's a his it's place good. of safety. Yeah, it's it's all right. Yeah. At this point, when this is being written, Oasis had just dropped their their album "Be Here Now," the overproduced and overlonged one that people <laughs> say killed Britpop as a movement. Oh wow! Okay. Yeah, I did not know that history. The Gallagher's really disagree about this one and pretty much everything else. So, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> so while Bruno has reached a new low elevation wise, Mista and Giorno have reached the rooftop. Uh, where that tree is growing and, and clutching that helicopter. Uh, Chocolata has just been monologuing the whole time. The whole time. He's a he's a talkative fella. And Giorno says, hey, go climb that tree. And Mista says, no, I will shoot him from here. <laughs> Chocolata still, you know, just in the pilot seat of the helicopter. He's a little freaked out, very pissed off, and he's trying to, like, rock the helicopter back and forth to get free of the tree. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mista fires off like five shots at the uh, cockpit. Uh, he notices, oh shit, Chocolata isn't in there anymore. Yeah, all, all the sex pistols are bouncing around looking for the guy they're here to shoot. Uh, and they don't find him. They don't know where he went. Yeah. They, they leave their bullets, you know, impacting somewhere and then just start searching as, you know, a little search party of little guys. Mm-hmm. And that's when number two and number three are cut in half. Yeah. So, of course, Mista just erupts into blood. Yeah. It's, it's not a good... It's not good. So the next scene is Sex Pistol number one as, like... The protagonist in a little inch-high horror movie. Yes. Wandering around, and everywhere it goes, it sees another one of its, you know, uh, uh, compatriots. Just a gory, bloody mess as something is destroying them. Yeah. Uh, And so Mista just collapses to the ground as he erupts into blood, and the only sex pistol that is out here now is number five. He nearly passes out from, like, stand damage, yeah. And Giorno sees through Chocolata's plan is to to keep a few remaining ones alive as hostages. Yes, which is stand now... Stand hostages. Yeah, which is now causing Mista... Like, he can no longer recall his stand because they're <laughs> held hostage. And Giorno also, because, like, the, the stand cannot be recalled, Giorno can't really heal Mista. So he, he's telling number five, like, stay put. Don't go in the helicopter. If you go in there and something happens to you, Mista's just fucking dead. So he gives Mista the turtle. You know, the, the guy who is five-sixths dead right now. Yeah. As he rushes ahead. But Mista's like, hey, hey, you scrawny little nerd number five. I know you get picked on a lot, but now... Now's your time to shine. You yeah. have to go be Giorno's backup. <laughs> yeah. Go with him. And he hands number five a single bullet, which is, you know, the size of him. <laughs> Just to carry. Yep. 
I love that a stand gets a tiny little character arc. Yes. <laughs> So as Giorno approaches the helicopter, he touches the, like, fuselage to do his his life sense. And he's like, okay, there is a living person somewhere in here. So Mm. uh, let me just give this a good, solid gold experience punch to supercharge this tree to, to, like, grip it stronger and be, like, a harder tree. There we go. That's good. Yeah. Like, the tree grows more and, like, pierces all the way through the helicopter. So they're, like, there's no way for it to fly away now. As he climbs up, Onto the the nose of the helicopter, he he looks in and sees there's like a syringe and a bottle of medicine and a scalpel with blood on it and a whole bag of doctor's tools. So there's just some medical ephemera on the inside, but it's also a vantage point to look down at the streets below where there is fire and chaos (laughs) nearly (laughs) reaching the Colosseum by now. The city is all fucked up. Yeah. Uh, And that's when Giorno looks back into the cockpit to see uh sex pistols number one covered in blood with mm-hmm. chunks of him missing and he's just barely reaching a hand out to say like the the true form the true form of this man <laughs> <laughs> and this is when Jorno's like reaching a hand out trying to get sex pistols one here to like crawl onto his hand but they get interrupted because oh chocolate is there Mostly. He's oh mostly God. there. This is so absurd. Number five <laughs> rushes out to go like, no, don't do that. And this is when Chocolata reaches out from behind a chair to karate chop Giorno. Yes. Giorno punches Chocolata before he can do that. We see Chocolata is missing an arm and his uh, wound is completely covered in green mold. Although a a good part of his like humorous his yes. arm bone is is poking out of of that yeah uh, he also has no hips and below are also missing he he's a torso an arm and a head right now in, in fact not even the complete torso because his spine is wiggling yes. out the bottom of him yeah the most flexible spine I've ever seen this is absurd and it's like you know Jorna punched Chocolata in the rib. And Chocolata's in a lot of pain, and so he escapes by taking a scalpel and rapidly chopping a chunk of his torso to the point where it fully severs off, and he skitters away (laughs) with this Mm -hmm, spine mm -hmm. dangling about. He just monkey bars around in here, and just just to look at this guy, this severely dismembered man... I mean, for one, surprisingly limber, but you would think that Giorno has already won this fight. <laughs> yes, yeah. This man is in eight pieces. Like, as he skitters away, which is very fluidly animated to make him, like, way more freaky, uh, and he, like, hides behind a box in the very back of the, the helicopter, Giorno gets punched by one of Chocol- by Chocolata's severed arm. Yeah, yeah, he gets a punch in the gut. It's like digging into his gut somehow yeah. that's just a thing we like to do in this fight it's gonna happen a lot yeah chocolata is narrating about his incredible medical skills that allow him to do such a thing he's such a, a brilliant surgeon uh, uh and also just the, the mold sealing up his wounds so that uh, this is possible for him to do to himself including the quote 
I know exactly which veins I have to seal to stop hemorrhaging. And I am not a brilliant doctor, but I'm just going to go out on a limb and say all of them. I think the answer is all of them. (laughs) The arteries, too, just to be safe. Yeah. The, the the arm the severed arm which he still has control over because it's it is also sealed up with the mold on, on the wound it's pushing Giorno out of the helicopter yeah and like trying to force him to go downward so he gets covered in mold uh, mm-hmm, also mm-hmm. by the way when Chocolata is monologuing he's thrashing his spine around like a rattlesnake <laughs> almost <Yes. laughs> So he's not only the world's most devious and talented surgeon, he also does a lot of yoga. What a yeah, really yeah. flexible spine he's got. <laughs> uh, so, so yeah, as, as Giorno is just like clinging on with one hand to the uh, the broken window frame out of the uh, uh, front of the helicopter, he, he's being pushed backwards and downwards. Mold is growing on his hair. Mm-hmm. And it's the mid-episode title card. It's Oasis's turn. There, there it is. There's the big brown suit. Yeah. And so Chocolata is still talking. He's talking about his theory of happiness and that there are two great sources of the the greatest joy. And the first is when hope bursts through despair. And his example is like, wow, when you were coming here, when you grabbed my uh, helicopter and you came after me, boy, I thought I was dead. But now I know that you're dead. And that makes me really happy. (laughs) He talks about this enough that I have to assume the second greatest joy is, you know, talking about the first greatest joy. Yeah. Chocolat is also, like, uh, slowly approaching Giorno as he's monologuing here. And Giorno just goes in for a kick. Just, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. just kick Chocolata in the face. But you know who else has legs? Chocolata. Uh, and they aren't even attached to him. They just come out of nowhere. <laughs> and he even shouts, like, did you forget I have legs? <laughs> this would be a fun stand ability, but it make like... How are your nerve impulses going to your motor functions if this is not your stand ability? Yeah, yeah. Is your mold psychic? Is that how we're going to explain this? Sealing the, it, each part with mold lets this happen? If his limbs and, and all the severed body pieces were completely covered in the mold, then I could see him u- puppeting his stand to puppet his mm. limbs. Maybe that's still what he's doing. Why not just puppet all the dead people yeah. and then you oh, just yeah, have yeah. Enya part two, really, sure, is what yeah. you have there. Yeah. Giorno, you've got to suck up his stand. Yeah. You've got to inhale eat, Green Day. Eat his stand. <laughs> yeah, after Giorno gets kicked here, dangling by like one leg out off the side of the, the cockpit here, Chocolata and all of his various limbs um, combine like Voltron to become a man again. Yes, uh, uh, the way they show this is the screen goes black, and then there are bright green neon stitches, uh, uh, and then the whole world fades in, and you see that, ah, those are his stitches that he he sutured himself together in an instant. (laughs) Yeah. Clothes, too. He's also a master tailor. Uh, So... So yeah, Chocolata's ability, I'm reminded of, did you ever watch Akadama Drive or or see anything about it? No. Okay, fairly recent show about like cyberpunk neon heists and all the characters are are criminals who are the absolute pinnacle of what they do and what they do is their name. So like the one named Doctor, she's great at poisons and like killing people and even resurrecting people and i think there are points where she even chops herself to bits and then sutures okay. herself together <laughs> for fun and profit okay i just looked this up this looks like something i need to watch 
It is uh, very obviously from the character designer of the Danganronpa series. Oh, shit. Okay. Yes. Chocolat is all all stitched up and, and whole again. He goes in for a big punch rush on Giorno and just launches him off of the helicopter. Because this is the second great happiness, inflicting despair on those who deserve it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this launches Giorno out of the helicopter, falling to the streets below, and they're like, hell yeah. This dude is so dead. Yeah. And that's when number five uses his bullet to shoot Giorno through the hand. (laughs) Yes. And because everyone is such a good team player, everyone knows what's going to happen here. Giorno uses the bullet and his trajectory and his going through his hand to uh, make an entirely new tree branch from the nose Mm -hmm. of the helicopter to him. uh, So he's got a straight line to run across to Chocolata. It, it holds him right at like the height of his arc from which he, he was flung. Yeah. Number five, very happy with himself with, with this uh, uh, move, saving his friend so he can save his, his best friend, Mista, and, and encourages Giorno by saying, quote, beat the poopy out of him. <laughs> yeah. I love number five so much. Yeah. Chocolat is not out of this fight. Uh, uh, there, there is a blonde mafioso rushing toward him with, with you know, fire in his eyes. But he has all the powers of a helicopter. <laughs> yes. So, so he cranks the engines up and pitches it forward so that this, like, gangway is also pitched down into danger. The danger zone of my mold's gonna get you. Mm-hmm. And so the mold starts to grow on the branch and it, it just crumbles away like so many people's bodies have <laughs> earlier. And it can no longer support the weight of, of a person. Uh, uh, so Giorno's running and he, he can't reach safety. He starts to fall. He's getting covered in mold, but he kicks something upward during yeah. his fall. And there is, of course, the, the signature noise. Mm-hmm. So... Okay. <laughs> Here is the explanation. Uh-huh. So when a tree falls apart, that means it's dead, not alive. Mm-hmm. So it's it's a dead thing. Yeah. So that dead branch chunk, which is what he kicked, it's not a branch anymore. It's the bullet that it was before it became a branch. Yes, yes. And so Giorno kicked it up into the twirling blades, which redirected it back down, obviously. <laughs> and on the way back down, it, it finishes its transmutation back into the original bullet. And so it shoots a, a chocolata right through the back of the head and out of his mouth. <laughs> yes. Obviously. <laughs> I, my only problem with this is the aim. The aim feels like there's... I don't understand how you got this perfect. And the solution is right there. The solution is number five was waiting yeah. for the alley-oop. Yes. Just, just why isn't that in here? <laughs> I know. It make, yeah, that's the same thing I thought when I watched this the first time. It's like, <laughs> okay, he kicked it into the blades to deflect it, but it's like, there's a guy whose whole thing is that right here. Right here. And it's like, if... Part five was already kind of in on the pl- the first plan, which was like kicking the bullet to make the branch. They should have just yeah. had ultimate teamwork going. And it's like, we both knew this was our JoJo's trick the whole time. Just that tiny, like, it would have been two panels. Uh, and if it's not in the book, you could just 
You're adapting it. You, you can just, fix you it. Just do it. No one's going to care. No one's going to care if you add that insert shot of one more little yeehaw kick. People, People would have been. That shit. I yeah. love it. People would have been excited to have the yeehaw added. <laughs> uh, uh, but, you know, th- this is, of course, the big turnabout moment where Giorno takes the upper hand uh, mm. uh, and he's like, oh, yeah, I've. So so you told me the two things that you think make people happy? Well, you're wrong, because I just destroyed you, and it doesn't make me happy at all. <laughs> yeah. Quote, I'm the one who's been winning this whole time. I'm not owned. So all mold stops growing everywhere. And number five gets to celebrate, and he's talking about how, okay, now let's get down to business, saving uh, all of my friends mm-hmm. and Mista. But Giorno's not so sure. Yeah. Giorno thinks this fight isn't over, and so he yells over at uh, uh, Chocolata's apparent corpse to say, Hey, Dick, stop pretending to be dead. <laughs> yeah. Like, he's, he's just, you know, he looks like a lifeless body just strewn over the uh, tree grown out of the side of the building, and, like, his tongue is hanging out. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. he it, like, mega dead. And, yeah, Giorno's just saying, fucking, come on, dude. It's fucking done. Just let me kill you. I have a lot of boo-boos right now. (laughs) He gives a full rundown of his internal injuries with incredible specificity. And we get like spotlights, x-ray spotlight bits on each individual one he names to show that he's entirely correct. Yeah, he's got a hole in his right lung. His subclavian vein is severed. Uh Uh, uh Four ribs are broken. His right humerus, his right hand is shattered. So yeah, he he's just giving him an ultimatum that's just like, hey, I'm coming over to finish you off. Pl- just be cool. If you try to run, and I know you're going to try to run, you're going to do blah, 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 I will have you and I will end you. <laughs> if yeah. you just give up and we both walk our separate ways, it's fine. Yeah. Chocolata is still, like, dead. And so Giorno has can't do anything else but, you know, hop up to the next level to reach him. The instant he does that, Chocolata comes to life. He's like, you're so dumb! (laughs) This wasn't the trap you described me doing. I have a different trap. I'm not escaping. My other severed arm is wrapped around Mista's throat and is choking the remaining life out of him. Ha ha! (laughs) Yeah. The instant Chocolata's like, aha, I've got you. Fucking take this. Mista's gonna die. Uh, His head explodes. Yeah. 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 So. (laughs) Uh Uh-huh. This was all Giorno's plan, obviously. Yes, obviously. So somewhere in that fight, Chocolata got a little bit of shrapnel in the head. Mm -hmm. And that got turned into a tiny little bug egg. And slowly but steadily, that bug egg has become a larva and a pupa and then a giant beetle that explodes... Chocolata's <laughs> skull with the force of its sheer size at its emergence. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, okay, it's just an extra step to like the bullet turns into a tree, turns back into a bullet to shoot you, and then it turns back into a small thing in your head and then gets big in your head. But the fact that it turns into a bug and not just like, I have a tree grow out of your head and kill you. <laughs> it's the specificity of, I had a baby larva grow into a full big bug in your head to kill you. Uh, I, I do want to mention that I, I misspoke when I said that, you know, Chocolata's severed arm was squeezing Mises' throat. 
I mean, I guess I, I could have been more specific. Its fingers have dug into the skin of yes. Mrs. Throat. Dio style. Yeah, This Dio is how style. Dio would feed. Yeah. Chocolata's not a vampire. He's mm-hmm. just doing it, coincidentally. Yeah, he's just a twisted metal clown. Yeah. Uh, a, a bug has grown and exploded out of Chocolata's skull. Chocolata's still alive, by the way. He just has a massive head wound. Gallons and gallons of blood spewing out. He won't be alive for long, to be fair. <laughs> yeah. And and Chocolata is just saying, like, hey, I you said if I stayed still, you wouldn't do anything to me. I'm staying still. And Giorno's response is basically... I lied, asshole. <laughs> yeah. Not, the, the subs for the Japanese version is just like, such niceties don't exist for people like you. I'm the murder Jojo. Get yeah. the memo. Come on. Yeah. Uh, and so Giorno goes in for a very fluidly animated big time punch rush. Record setting. This this is even longer than Dana Steele got. It just goes and yep. goes and goes. I can't remember. So this is extremely long in the manga. If I remember correctly, it's like five pages long or something like that. It feels like it's five pages long because they it it just goes and goes and then they switch angles and it goes and goes and goes and then again and again and eventually yep. eventually. Uh, uh, Chocolata is punched like a fucking meteor down into the back of a, a trash compacting like garbage truck and he gets a little squeeze with a <laughs> sign that says, you know, he's, his body is on the way to the incinerator. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and that's finally the end of Chocolata as Mista starts to, to regain consciousness here. Meanwhile, uh, Seko has been chasing Bruno around the lower streets. Uh, uh, and now he's like, huh, wait a minute. I, I got to call Chocolata for some advice. I got to tell him what's what. And the call doesn't go through. There's no one there to pick it up. Mm-hmm. But he does notice that he has two voicemails that have been left recently. So he's got to check his messages. <laughs> yeah. The, the first message that he hears uh, posthumously, he doesn't know Chocolata's dead, but uh, he's about to find out. The, the first is a promise of up to five sugar cubes if he kills Bruno real good. Mm-hmm. Man, the the animation on Seko here when he's like constantly like elated to one have a voicemail from his best buddy in the whole world and then like learning about getting a lot of sugar cubes. Five, five. Five hearts emerge from nowhere. He has the biggest grin we've ever seen. His eyes go huge. He's animated like a dopey character that's getting tricked by Bugs Bunny or something, mm-hmm. where it's just like, uh-huh, uh-huh. And, and it ends with uh, Chocolata sharing some, like, real affection for Seko, like, actually caring about him, while yeah. Seko seems to just really mostly care about sugar cubes. <laughs> but, <Yeah. laughs> and, you know, scritches behind the ears, he loves those. <laughs> Taking a nap in the sunny spot, the, the simple things, that's what Seko's into. Mm-hmm. But he, he hangs up. And, and just continues this search because Bruno has been running away to try to get some distance, pull, pull Seko away from the fight and from the people who are already dying several other ways yes. in the meantime. But he doesn't seem to notice that, that as he, he stops to like look over his shoulder by this lamppost, that the ground is softening around his feet and Seko is right next to him. <gasps> Another thing he doesn't notice is in the Colosseum far away now, a dark figure in a wheelchair is watching them with binoculars and a certain unique haircut. Hmm. That's the end. That's the end of the episode. 
Yep. So uh, this this big tower that we've been fighting above and and upon mm-hmm. uh, is an actual landmark in Rome, not too far from the Colosseum at all. Okay. Uh, it is the uh, Torre. Oh, that's an L. Torre delle Milizie. Uh, mm-hmm. traditionally uh, uh, called the place where Nero watched Rome burn, except that is not true in several different ways. Mm. Number one, the tower would not be built for like 1,200 years after that. Okay. Number two, Rome, uh, Nero was likely not in Rome during the Great Fire. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that, that leads us into the final episode for today. At Green Day and Oasis part three uh we just have a, a recap to start of all of you know bruno's b plot in the last episode mm-hmm. squaring off against Seco, running away Seco just popping up four feet to his left unnoticed <laughs> and then after the op plays there are ambulance sirens that catch Seco's attention because wait a minute if people are recovering if people are effectively getting a a medical attention and you know the the emts aren't bursting into mold Mm -hmm. wait a minute where's all the mold oh shit chocolate is dead this sucks so he checks his second voicemail the first one like the first voicemail he got was when the helicopter was grabbed but before giorno and mista had reached the rooftop to, to start entering the helicopter yeah this one conversely was left after Chocolata had been shot through the back of the head. <laughs> yeah. But before that bullet became a giant beetle. <laughs> yeah. So this means every word he's saying is while he's playing dead. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No wonder Jordo saw through it. What were you thinking? Just yeah. text. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. So yeah, it's he he learns in this message that you know Chocolat is dead and so his arm just limply falls to his side just breathing heavily and after like a beat of seeming like you know he's devastated that Chocolat is dead he just goes like fucking Chocolat did you think I'd be sad that you died you fucking <laughs> lost dumbass well, yeah, cuz Chocolat had I mean, we hadn't really talked about it, but he has this monologue with, again, very generic anime villain ideology of, like, there's the strong and the weak and the strong must rule. And, and we de- uh, demonstrate that we deserve to rule by killing a lot of random people for no good reason. Yeah. Ah. And in this moment, Seko shows himself to be a real true believer in that because if Chocolat has died, therefore he is weak, therefore I don't have to care about him or listen to him or anything. Yep, and so he immediately, like, melts the video camera, because that's not his thing. That was Chocolat's mm-hmm, thing. Mm-hmm. Th- this voicemail did also have some very important, like, plot-driving information, mm-hmm. which is Chocolata had been overhearing these people keep talking about the Colosseum and why they're going there. Yeah. So now Seko knows that there's a very important informant there with information that could help kill the boss. So like, hey, Seko, when we kill these guys, let's go get that and then we'll be the bosses. And Seko's like, well, now it falls to me. And that still seems like a pretty good idea. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to go find this mystery man. Yep. Some of Chocolata's wor- last words also is calling Sex Pistols, quote, the Beanie Boys babbling bullets. <laughs> Yeah. Th- those are the ones he learned all his information from. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Number six, bad at OPSEC, turns out. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so as Seco runs off towards the Coliseum, Bruno, who's, you know, his ankles are still sunk into the ground, so he can't move too good, snaps off a, a chunk of a pole nearby, 
and throws it like a fucking spear mm-hmm. at Seko, and it misses, and it, it lodges into like a little sculpture or whatever. Nearby. Some sort of pylon yeah, right pylon. by uh, uh, Seko's head. As he he's such a crouchy, goblin-y guy, his only way to run is, is Naruto running. He's very yes. leaned forward. Yep. <laughs> And so, like, I, I also do love him just shouting that uh, uh, the, the dead Chocolata can kiss his ass while he continues to jut out that that very <laughs> yes. shapely posterior. Yeah, uh, uh, maybe he has a bad butt, but it's really accentuated by Oasis. Maybe, yeah, maybe there's some padding in the stand. <laughs> <laughs> but but yeah, there's a pole next to his head that could have just pierced him, Bruno. I, I expected better for you. What's that? It's zipped wide open, and so it's going to zip closed and chop his head off like giant zipper scissors? Hell yes. This kicks ass. (laughs) It's so cool. Yeah, zipped down, like, almost all the way down, so yeah, it's half the pipe is stuck in the pylon, and the other half is, like, at a 90-degree angle, getting ready just to clamp on this fucker's head. Oh, it's so cool. Love that zipper, man. But Seko is still very, very fast. Fast enough to just kick this pylon away from him and you know all the ground around it is softened so it's just like as if it's it's being kicked through nothing or or on a surface of ice or something yeah now the zipper guillotine pole has bruno (laughs) in its sights yeah so sticky fingers punches that pylon and and uh bruno tries to just kind of duck under it and it still gets him a little bit and by a little bit i mean it like cuts a inch and a half deep gash into his throat good thing he's already <laughs> dead but but this uh whole maneuver has left the pole sticking straight up out of the ground yeah uh, uh from whence it came i suppose that that's how most uh, signposts work <laughs> yeah uh Seko has submerged himself in order to to come up from below so bruno jumps on that pole and then gives a little zipper on a bevel partway down so that it falls and that uh, uh, bevel slice ha- has led to having a very sharp spear point. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he's forcing down in- into Seko with the weight of his-, his body. Yeah. Nearly spears Seko through the face, but instead he gets punched into a window. Because <laughs> Seko's still really fast. Yeah. Oh, by the way, right before all of this happens, there's a bit, I forget how it's localized, but at least the subtitles, we we come back to the whole thing from the previous episode where Seko didn't know the word bitch. And mm-hmm, so he's, mm-hmm. he, he says to Bruno, like, okay, Mr. Smarty Pants, uh, here's a fucking language lesson. Ever thought about how Colosseum sounds like Killoseum? Just a little <laughs> thing to learn before I kill you! <laughs> <laughs> uh, in in the dub, it switched to mausoleum, and that's where I'm okay. going to send you. <laughs> okay, okay, yeah. Kill I, I like the subtitle better on that because he sounds dumber. <laughs> yeah, yes. I, I guess sometimes you can fix something too much, you know? Mm-hmm. He's not supposed to have good wordplay. Come on, come on. Yeah. Bruno gets punched into that window. Yeah, Seko's just standing there taunting him and going like, yeah, you're pretty smart. Also, your body's weird. You got, like, a big-ass shard of glass in your back, and that doesn't seem to be an issue for you. Yeah, you are riddled with glass, and yet there's not a drop of blood, you know, a- along with mold doesn't grow on him. He- he's piecing it together that Bruno is literally a dead man walking. Yeah. But Seko is distracted. 
because there is light glinting off of a pair of binoculars mm -hmm. in one of the archways of the Colosseum. And Seko also has incredibly good vision. Yes. He sees this light and is like, ah, that must be binoculars. I think I also saw a prosthetic leg and like, I didn't. I'm, yeah. I'm the viewer and I didn't. What are you talking about? <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, he's distracted by that and, and saying out loud what he's seeing. And then he turns to Bruno, who is now like kneeling behind a big chunk of glass from the, the window that he was just punched into. Seko just goes, I'm going to find out what's weird about your body, basically, <laughs> at least in the fucking <laughs> subtitles, which I always think is very funny. Uh, mm -hmm. Goes in for a punch and that big shard of glass that Bruno was holding was disguising the fact that he had put a zipper on the ground. Mm -hmm, and so mm -hmm. as the punch gets near him, he just slips underground. Slips underground, boops the zipper away, and Seko's like, hey, hey man, you're stealing my thing. This is my shit? Yeah. Just like popping underground is my shit. This is so, so rude of you. Haven't you heard of niche protection? God. <laughs> So, so Bruno is just subterranean running. He, he zips himself one stride ahead and then z places another zipper to go another stride ahead, yep. going, going through uh, uh, underground toward the Coliseum to find this, this mysterious ha hacker man. Seko's just like, okay, well, I'm way better at this and faster than you, so thanks for helping me, I guess. Mm -hmm. He just swan dives down into the street and swims after him, following through like the noise that that Bruno is making and Bruno can even hear like the swimming that Seko's doing so each one knows where the other is yeah. and how Seko is gaining on him more and more because hearing is so important underground and like sound travels so much farther and mm -hmm. so much louder through a solid medium after all when you're submerged in it I guess yeah so so Seko bursts out and is like, ah, I've heard I hear you, I know, I'm gonna get you into this cavern where he finds not Bruno Bucciarati, but instead some broken water pipes that are, are clanging against each other in a sound sort of like Bruno's zippers uh, <laughs> yes. clanging. Yeah. Ooh, audio decoy. Gotcha. Ooh, gotcha. So yeah, Seko is trying to suss out where Bruno is thinking, okay, I hear another sound like 20 meters away, but maybe he's staying perfectly still to try and trick me again. Uh, and so he pops his head out from underground again. And begins to eat dirt. Yep, he eats a lot of dirt. And it's time for another spit trick. <laughs> so he, he just schnarfs up all the dirt he can fit in his mouth and spits it straight up in the air. Mm -hmm. And so the play here is that when he eats whatever he eats, it's subject to the powers of Oasis. It becomes very soft, very malleable, mm -hmm. practically liquid around him. But as he spits it far enough away, it hardens back. Yeah. And in the, sh the, the shape in which you know, it's ejected from his mouth, it hardens into rock-hard spikes of rock. Yeah. And they fall down through the softened earth. Uh, uh, as as gravity accelerated rock spears to cover a wide variety of, of area in order to flush out Bruno Bucciarati. Yeah. And this is, it's a plan. It's a plan. And it kind of starts to work because. Yeah. You just get a shot of a close up of Bruno underground going like, there's a weird, this is a different sound than him swimming. What is this sound? And then close up, you just see a big ass rock spike 
clean stab all the way through his fucking throat. And then he yeah. just gets stabbed over and over and over and over again. And all he can do is just sort of stifle his his cries of pain so he doesn't give away where he is through that sound. But by the third salvo raining down over him, he's he can't keep hiding. He's got to go. Yep. So we cut to this informant. Yes. Oh, my God. Sitting alone and thinking to himself, you know... If the bad guys get to me first, I will destroy this arrow and all of the wisdom it holds because that that is how powerful it is. I, I can only give it to these good-hearted renegade mafiosi. <laughs> yeah. And so uh, uh, he finally, finally uh, wheels himself into the light. And it is <gasps> after 13, 13 years yeah. and a whole lot of hard times that I'm sure we'll be learning about in the future. Mm-hmm. Jean-Pierre Polnareff. Yay! Polnareff's back. <laughs> and he's kind of fucked up looking now. He's, he has two uh, uh, prosthetic legs with workings that are reminiscent of Silver Chariot. Yep. In like their design language. Yep. Uh, he has a nasty scar over one of his eyes that is also under an eye patch. Not uh, uh, effective eye patch. It is transparent pink with yes. like a scallop shape. Yes, I love this weird eye patch. <laughs> you know, the the whole time Polnareff is is monologuing here about the power of the arrow. And like, you know, 12 years ago after the battle in Egypt, I obtained this arrow and the fear it induces... <laughs> It's it's not until he turns towards the camera right here that they finally remove the shadow from his face. And yes, see his Polnareff, and it introduces him with a name and title card and everything, and his mm-hmm, age. Mm-hmm. He's 36 now. He's even older than Chocolata. Huh. Yeah, yeah. That brings us to our mid-episode title card of the Colosseum, and also a little insert picture of the uh, the, the Capitoline wolf, the, the statue of the wolf, like nursing Romulus and Remus. Mm-hmm. But yeah, Polnareff is is finding it ironic that that these these boys who joined the mafia as outcast to society are now trying to destroy the mafia for the benefit of society. And like, dude, that's not what they're doing. They, they are here to stop selling drugs to kids primarily, and some various points of personal vengeance. Second, yeah. Polnareff is looking at like the the profiles, the photos of everyone on his laptop, and the main person he's looking to to meet up with is Bruno. Mm-hmm, like he views mm-hmm. Bruno as the one who needs to retrieve this arrow and obtain its power. We we also get more look at his uh, outfit here, mm-hmm. his his little pauldrons, which are fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Little golden uh, over like a sleeveless t-shirt or, or that has a lace up front. Or at yes. least it has laces on its front. I don't think they do anything. I think anything. they're decorative laces, yeah. R- red laces. And yeah, the, the last thing we hear about Polnareff here is that he's devoted, ever since the end of Stardust Crusaders, he has devoted his life to protecting this specific arrow. This three-lobed bug arrow. <laughs> yeah. It, it is nice to see like a little cameo of all the, the part three crew looking mm-hmm. toward the sunset away from the viewer. That's nice. Yeah. I like that. Maybe it's them getting set up for the the big Polaroid. <laughs> oh, maybe, yeah, yeah. The landscape looks the same, at least. I don't mm-hmm. know. But there's still a fight going on, and so Bruno is rushing away from his hiding spot, revealing his position, and again, Seco moves a lot faster than him. Mm-hmm. So Bruno surfaces, 
and he zips a lamppost into dozens of uh, of pieces that then collapse in on themselves, splashing down into the street, uh, you know, bonking around Seko and, and cutting off his advance. Yeah. This is also when Bruno notices that his body is melting. <laughs> yeah. So I also want to point out the shot when all the like post lamppost pieces are falling into the ground water or whatever. Mm-hmm. And we're like, <laughs> we're he's seeing... poisoning the groundwater. Yes. Yeah. And we see like a really cool cross section kind of, of underground as well as the, you know, above ground. Mm-hmm. And the, the, the ground is very uh, like wavy, almost like ocean waves. I just think that shot looks really cool. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, but while Bruno is focusing on his, his flesh melting on his face and hands, Mm-hmm. Uh, this this moment's hesitation lets Seko do a big splash so that everything uh, on the surface of the street comes down below with him. So Bruno included, of course, but like cars and trash and all sorts of junk. Mm-hmm. Uh, th- this is all done with a bunch of pans and spins around still frames. Yes. And so as Seko gets, throws out a big punch, is getting close to Bruno... Bruno pulls out sticky fingers and punches a car. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He punches it in the tire uh, uh, so hard that the tire explodes. Yeah. Which, as we've talked about, I mean, the, the way sound uh, works underground in this fight is it's super amplified. So between the jet of air and the sound, I'm not sure which one we're really blaming for this. Mm-hmm. It does something to puncture and just totally destroy Seko's eardrums, both of them simultaneously. Yeah. And Bruno's whole rationale is like, I'm fine to do this because uh, I'm melting. I'm already dead. I don't feel much. So rupturing my eardrums will be fine. So now Seko cannot follow him by sound because Seko has been deafened. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he's just like, what? What sound? I don't need what you think. You think that's going to matter? I know right where you are. So he lets out a big kick. But this kick sends his leg uh, above the surface where it is run over by a car and flattened. And it looks gross. <laughs> yeah, it's got tread marks all over it. Yeah. So so he pops out disoriented, and he nearly gets run over three times. He, he scrambles on, onto the curb, up onto the sidewalk, where a poster of a lady frightens him, and then a, a very cute dog frightens him even more. <laughs> the dog's face is so funny. Yeah. <laughs> so, so then a zipper appears in the surface of the street, and, and Bruno lifts himself out up onto his elbows like Dracula rising from his coffin. <laughs> yeah. And explains why a bursting Seko's eardrums was so key to his plan and, and ensures his victory. And Seko interrupts to say something like, I bet you're talking about how my hurting my eardrums made me deaf. And that's wrong. <laughs> I love that this is done in s- such a way that it's obvious that he can't hear even while he's protesting that he can. Yeah. And that that's not important even while demonstrating that it is. It's yeah. really good. It's yeah. really good. And so Seko just, you know, is freaking out as Bruno gets closer and closer. He decides I, he has to take a hostage. And so he looks behind him where there are some people and he grabs the first person he sees. It's the perfect hostage. You, you want to grab someone who no one could possibly risk any harm to. The brightest, most beautiful boy in all of Italy. It's Dopio. Dopio. Vinegar Dopio is yep. the hostage. Yep. Wearing a hat. <laughs> 
wearing a very long hat. Very long brimmed hat. Yeah. And and so Dopio drops his like uh, uh, over the shoulder bag, which is full of phones. There's at least two phones in this bag. <laughs> yeah. It, it's a one on one, you know, hostage holding showdown. And uh, uh, Seko's talking about how like doesn't matter what happens to his ears, he's won this fight all the same, and you're going to let me go or else the, the kid gets it. And he also sinks his fingers into Dopio's neck. Yeah, kind of like melting, me- yeah, melting like, his neck a bit. So yeah, flesh melting isn't just a Bruno thing. That's just part of what Oasis can do. So this makes more sense to me than whatever the hell Chocolata was doing to Mista. <laughs> yeah. At one point, Seko slaps Dopio and like, there's a flash of green eyes like, oh, fuck. Oh, fuck. Mm-hmm. Are you sure? Are you sure you want to do that? Yep. Bruno just keeps advancing, even though Seko here is threatening to kill uh, Dopio here. Quote, I'll kill this sweet child. Everyone knows. Everyone, Everyone knows, knows Dopio is a sweet child. Yep. And so uh, Sticky Fingers comes out and does a Josuke and punches both the hostage and the hostage taker clean through. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Of course, making a zipper. On, on Dopio, so he just harmlessly passes through him to punch yeah, yeah. Seko. But he doesn't just punch through Seko, he also puts a zipper on him, a zipper that when zipped closed, fuses his wrist to his chest, so like, yes. he, he cannot strike or I guess he can only left-handed strike. Uh, so so yeah, he's lost his ears, he's lost his dominant hand, things aren't looking good for him. Mm-hmm. So he clumsily stumbles around and just trips into the back of the same garbage truck. Yeah. He has an off-screen line. I mean, of course it's off-screen. He's fallen inside a, a truck to just say, oh, hey, Chocolata. Yeah. What are you doing here? Yeah. <laughs> and that's the end of the fight. It's it's a very serious fight with a comedy ending. Yeah. Yeah. Just walking walking right into the same fucking truck is great. So this episode really leaves us not with, you know, the mission to enter the Colosseum, but with Dopio and his confusion at what the fuck happened in Rome before he got here. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I was supposed to kill the the nasty boys of Passione, but like, they're dead. But the crew is split up. They don't split up. They're supposed to hang together. What what happened? Who's where? What do I do now? Yeah. And Bruno is... He's very close to just actually dying because he mm-hmm, he can't mm-hmm. get up on his legs. He he's trembling. He can barely crawl. Uh, his vision is starting to fade. Like there's a bunch of bits of skin just falling off of his hand, and you can see the bone. And what is Dopio doing behind him? Bum yep. bum bum. <gasps> yeah, we just end with the cliffhanger of maybe Dopio's about to karate chop Bruno in half and kill him. I mean, what else can he do? Like, yeah. <laughs> see his future for five seconds? That's not going to help. Yep. Probably. I don't know. <laughs> and so that is the end of today's three episodes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It is a three-episode fight, but it's really... The first episode is about escaping the two of these guys and their, their synergy. Yeah. The second one is just fighting the one, and the third one is fighting the other. Yeah. And they're all pretty different fights, so... Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, how do you feel about Polnareff coming back? Of all the characters to become <laughs> a super hacker. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, give it to the guy who I'm pretty sure couldn't read 13 years ago. Now now he's a... What I'm really sad about is it. I think it means he gave up on his dream to become a cartoonist. 
Yeah, yeah. He decided it was too late in life or something, and, and he, mm-hmm. he didn't want to like do the the self promo grind. What whatever it was, he just like went and got his IT certs, and now <laughs> now he's he's still saving the world. So I'm proud of him for that for sure. But I just yeah, I just wish he was doing it as a cartoonist, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's really funny watching the English dub because when watching when watching this show when it was coming out weekly you know, with only the Japanese dub available, it was a lot harder to tell that the voice was Polnareff because I just didn't recognize Polnareff's Japanese voice nearly as well as I do the English one. Mm -hmm, (laughs) So mm -hmm. it was a little bit more like, oh shit, it's Polnareff. Uh, Whereas (laughs) in this one, it's like, after you hear a couple lines when he's just talking over the laptop, it's like, is this Polnareff? (laughs) That's Polnareff. You think he went into this because it's a kind of work he can do while on the toilet? Mm, that does seem like it would be pretty that's pretty attractive for him like yeah yeah that's what happened he somebody told him you can't bring your animation desk in there he's like (laughs) fine i quit yeah we'll just hack instead jeez uh (laughs) curious about what happened with all of his his grievous bodily injuries i'm sure that's what the next episode is going to be about but you know honestly i thought at some point we'd get more than a face reveal in this fight. So maybe we're just going to keep teasing that and keep putting it off. (laughs) But like, they're at the Coliseum, though. Like, it's got to be now, right? Right, yeah. Yeah, it's kind of interesting to have part five be this very, like, basically separate from the rest of JoJo lore and all of that. It's a completely detached adventure from the rest of the Joe stars and all this, aside from the, the Dio connection, which isn't, you know, a yeah, big aside thing from the, the story. Dio connection, aside from Koichi checking up on the Dio connection, aside from Polnareff showing up, aside from more <laughs> history about these arrows that <laughs> well, were sure, so sure, important sure, sure. to part four. Like, how many times can you say but before you yeah. have to, like, reconsider the premise? It Yeah, it you get two-thirds of the way through, and then it's just like, oh, okay. All, all that means is Joseph isn't in it. Yeah. Like, that, that's what's... <laughs> Divided from the rest of me. Yeah. I'm happy to see Polnareff, though. I love Polnareff. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, it's funny to see Polnareff be, like, a serious guy now. Very mission-driven. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, he had his moments, but they were moments, you know? Yeah. Being a master hacker and all that, he must have gotten an education from the Speedwagon Foundation. Well, then why doesn't the Speedwagon Foundation know more about the Eros? Mm, yeah. <laughs> As of two years ago, right? Yeah, that's true. Jotaro just found out two years ago that there's more than one arrow. Yeah. He, he suspected, but it was just confirmed when his friend had one for 12 years. Paul Ruff, you really got to stay in touch with your friends. <laughs> I know you went back to France, but you at least got to call him up every once in a while. But again, that's just more like it's 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 the writing in the moment and for the moment you know? yeah yeah it does it doesn't really matter the, the the biggest example i think is always going to be when did heaven's door first show up in in, yes. in rohan's life yeah yeah was it as a teenager or was it when he moved back to morio yeah yeah we're doing three episodes next week right Correct. Next week, we are back with episodes 33 through 35. That's His Name is Diavolo. Yes, I know. Polnareff told me. Mm-hmm. And The Requiem Quietly Plays, parts one and two. Mm-hmm. Very excited for these next three episodes. They're pretty wild. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Very excited to see more. Bruno's dead. Bruno's dead, and it's on the table. Yep. I Vindication, Bruno was a zombie all along. Yeah. So, so that feels nice, but also like, 
If anybody's going to die and just be like, no, I'm still going, it's Bruno Butcherati. The man is unstoppable. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. He'll just be a ghost. He'll be a stand ghost. Like, here is dad. Eventually, his meat is going to give up. Like, his, it's, he it's won't literally, be able to do it with his meat. It's literally melting and falling off of him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, and, and I'm excited to see, like, what that means. Like, are we going to keep it a secret for Mista and Narancha as much as we can? Is he going to face up to the fact that, like, hey, maybe in these final moments, I, sh- I should be nice as well as good. Maybe, yeah. maybe that's a good thing to do uh, uh, as I say farewell to my friends on this final mission. Mm-hmm. I, I want these questions to be posed, and I, I, I'm curious about the answers. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, when I was watching this my first time, I also very quickly came to the, oh, shit, is he just a zombie now uh, <laughs> thing? Because, like, they give you a good amount of clues, like, right away that mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He, he might be undead. But it is a really fun question to to have with Giorno's powers of, like... What happens when you try to recreate a living thing wet like right as it's died, basically? Like, are you like, is it even the same Bruno or did you just accidentally make a thing walking around thinking that it is Bruno? Well, it's doing a real good job. It's of doing it. a great I, job I, if it is. Yeah. But I, I also appreciate how the, the two fights in this fight really are very different kinds of fights because like upstairs it's stand power reversals if you Mm -hmm. do this then i do this this is how we interact and aha you have fallen into my trap all along but down on the ground level and below the the seco bruno fight it's just bruno doing very smart things as direct attacks yeah Uh, uh, here here are all of the ways i can use zippers to hurt you (laughs) yeah and meanwhile, second, like, okay, here's all the ways I can make liquid ground hurt you Yeah. <laughs> in response. One of my favorite zipper man moves is that pole that becomes zippers that are going to slice your head off. That is so cool. Bruno's use of his abilities is almost Jackie Chan-like to me. Yes. And like, here's all of the things I can do with this stick. And then yeah. it breaks. Oh, now there's new things I can do with a broken stick. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, Zipperman is, as far as I've gotten into JoJo, which is only like a third through part six, I think Zipperman is one of the best stands just for the um, amount of creative things you can do with it. Like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. there's a new thing every fight with, with Bruno. Yeah, yeah. And it doesn't sell Zipperman as an unstoppable force. It just sells Bruno as being very, very smart, being yeah. very clever and creative. Yeah. And it's different from like the creativity you see especially with Giorno, tree into bullet into tree into bullet into bug into, yeah, <laughs> that shit. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Where it's just like, how could anyone think of this on the fucking fly? Whereas like, I, you can feasibly th- see someone who's really good with their zipper power being able to do some really crazy shit on the fly. Yeah, like I, it, I need heavy chunks to rain down from above. I got that. I can do that. Yeah, it's a little more logical. Like you can, you can follow the actual thought process behind that those mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and that's why bruno's the best Br- bruno's the best bruno's the best because he continues to be the terminator and yeah. like his body falling apart but him still like following his mission regardless is just making that clearer yeah like, <laughs> <laughs> bruno's the terminator that's it that's yeah it. he even did the terminator walk at seco at the end of the fight yes, yes! <laughs> but yeah with the the Next three episodes, we're like really in the thick of it, like in the mm-hmm, the, the mm-hmm. final bits. Very excited for for these next three, and 
for the rest, honestly, there's, there's some really crazy stuff. So, and, and again, those three episodes are uh, 33. His name is Diavolo. 34. The Requiem quietly plays part one, and 35. The Requiem quietly plays part two. Mm-hmm. Thank you all for joining us. And if you enjoyed uh, uh, this show, why don't you tell somebody about it? Please tell tell your yeah. friends. Just share it places. Uh, we're talking we're talking about JoJo, and JoJo's a fun thing to talk about. We're we're having a good time, oh, yeah. and I would invite anybody to to come have a good time with us. Uh, love to see it. Mm-hmm. Love to hear from people. And and what <laughs> whenever I like offhandedly mention a thought or an idea and someone's like oh yeah somebody did fan art of that three years ago here it is <laughs> yeah it makes my day i love that kind of I, thing yeah it's it's i'm just glad other people are have have been thinking about it the way we've been thinking about it sometimes like mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah and so when people on that wavelength find us or you know complimentary ones or ones that are totally orthogonal but in a way where you know, we can have a fun discussion about those differences. All mm-hmm. those groups. I love it when they find us. It's great. Yeah. And also leave a review if you can. Please, please, please. Love those reviews. Uh, I mean, I've been asking people to do it on one show or another for years now. And lately, I've just been like, you know what? Fine. No, I think by now, every show that I really love and appreciate is a five-star review from me somewhere mm-hmm. uh, uh, in their their uh, Apple Podcast records. So yeah, go. it's it's not hard. It's kind of fun. You get to make jokes. Yeah, uh, and I love to see them because, again, it's it's another way to interact, to have feedback, to have something of a community here, and it's it's something that I really appreciate about the show yeah. that we make. Yeah, uh, but yeah, thanks for listening, and until next week, see you later. To be continued. Mm-hmm.